Hi, thank you for tuning into the Short Stacks. I'm Lisa Quintero, young adult librarian. I am Nick Barron. I am a patron and sometimes volunteer. This is a podcast where we talk about library news and what we've been reading, watching, and or listening to. Library news. Starting on June 8th, you can place your own holds on County Cat again, so that hold button should be going live on Monday. Uh, also, some of you may have started receiving notices for your holds via text, email, or phone, and that just means that some of the items are starting to come from in between libraries, and you can go ahead and either call us or email us to schedule an appointment to pick up your holds. So you can call us at 414-847-2670, or you can email us at shorewood at mcfliss.org. That's M-C-F-L-S for Milwaukee County Federated Library System. The other bit of news that we have is that we are still having our teen and children's summer reading program. Uh, I know some people have been asking about that, and we normally start it right after Memorial Day. But this year, because of everything going on, we had to push it back. We are going to start registration for that on June 15th. Uh, it's going to be mostly virtual, but there are going to be some paper copies of things available if you prefer to do it on the paper log rather than virtually. So keep an eye out for that on our website and our social media. What are some of the prizes that are going to be for this year's? For the teens, we have several gift cards. So the way it works is that they get a packet of coupons and a bookmark if they complete the program. They have to read five books or 800 pages in order to complete the program. And then they have the opportunity to complete extra challenges in order to get extra raffle entries. And so we have a raffle at the end of the summer for several gift cards to local businesses and some not local businesses that, you know, are of interest to teens. So we've got like City Market and Culver's and Mob Pizza and Boswell Books, Board Game Barrister and... Collectivo. Collectivo and Hulu and Netflix. So there's there's a whole list. I think we have like 10 different gift cards that we'll be giving away for the teens. And then for the children, they'll be getting a book and some coupons uh, if they complete the summer reading challenge. And I believe Miss Heidi is going to be doing a raffle as well, but I'm not positive on that. So people should check out the website. From the stacks. So in light of everything going on both locally and across the country this week uh, and, you know, over the last several decades, we have been talking a bit about anti-racism at the library and, and Nick and I have been talking a bit about anti-racism. As some of you may have seen, there was a blog post that we did earlier this week uh, listing a bunch of books that you could get from the Shore Library to help promote anti-racism. And so today, Nick and I are going to be talking to you a little bit about how we came to understand anti-racism in our country and, and how we came to where we are at personally through resources that we've gotten either through the library or on our own, but that are available at the library. And so, yeah, let's start with you, Nick. What are some things that you feel have affected the way you look at the world? Because I, I think, you know, we all have our own individual lenses and our lenses are made up of our gender, our age, our race, our experiences, our family background, our sexual orientation, and so many different things. And these inform how we see the world. And I think a lot of people only see the world via their own lens and don't ever try to see it with somebody else's lens. One thing I'd like to note before we go into what helped you educate yourself in terms of anti-racism is I want to acknowledge the fact that Racism doesn't just affect black folks, it affects minorities of all, all types, you know, Asian folks, Latinx folks. It's something that several different groups deal with. However, everything going on right now is because of something that happened to George Floyd, uh, who is a black man. And so, you know, when talking about these things, 
it's important not to center ourselves as Latinx people or Asian people or what have you. It's important to not make this a competition between different groups as to who experiences more racism or who who has it worse. It is bad across the board, but it disproportionately is affecting black folks. And it's something that we need to talk about and we need to learn about and we need to educate ourselves and educate our family and our friends. So yeah, what helped you educate yourself? So many of my great awakenings came through music. Uh, I was a suburban, lower middle class white kid growing up in the suburbs of Buffalo, New York. Like many young kids in the late 80s, I was in a thrash metal and punk. I dabbled in hip-hop. Yeah, lots of punk bands had anti-racist songs, but only a few of them actually had black folks in them. Usually, if they did, they were from New York, L.A., or San Francisco. That crossover, though, led me to a band called Public Enemy. The album, It Takes a Nation of Millions to Hold Us Back, and the album Fear of a Black Planet, showed me a world through a very different set of eyes. Unfortunately, it took me years for some of it to sink in. In 1988, when Chuck D said, 5-0 said freeze, and I got numb. Can I tell him that I never really had a gun? So I always loved that line, but it took 20 years for the weight of it to sink in. So there's a lot of great insights on those records. They're not perfect um, by any means, because none of us are. But, you know, a, a single song, a song or a book isn't going to, they aren't going to magically transform you. You have to continue to reflect, put yourself in another person's shoes. Yeah, critical thinking is, <laughs> is definitely important. Um, I know we've talked before a bit about this, and, and you know, you say that being with me has kind of helped you understand things a little bit better. Oh yeah, for sure. It, so... Growing up in that, you know, mostly white suburb, I mean, I, you know, growing up, I, ha I had black friends or black friend, and uh, that gave me some insight, but they were trying to live in my world. I wasn't trying to live in theirs. And, you know, I didn't see that at the time. I think that music was the first thing that gave me a glimpse into another worldview but music and, and later movies, like, do the right thing. Mm -hmm. But uh, it really wasn't until I lived in Chicago and was surrounded by diverse people that I got to hear their experiences and I was living in their world. Just like being with you, I, was, I now live in your world. And that totally changes how we see things. So even though Public Enemy set me on a, on a road, some of the ideas, they didn't have context. And it was by being in these diverse situations with different people and different ideas and living in their world that all of a sudden everything starts to click and you start to understand those perspectives in a way that you couldn't necessarily before. Yeah, I think that in my experience, when people have personal connections to people of color or to people who are different in some other way, uh, they tend to examine things a bit more closely. I think it's easy when you live in a homogenous society to 
just ignore what's going on because you can, you know, it's, it doesn't personally affect you. But when you see your friend is hurting or your partner's hurting or a family member is hurting because of what is happening in the world and because of racism, you know, I think it's a terrible thing about us humans, but sometimes we needed to have a personal connection for us to care. For sure. And I think we all need to do better about about caring without having that personal connection necessarily or making personal connections in our lives to expose us to other ideas. Yeah, that was something that, you know, uh, I listened to a hundred different bands that all had an anti-racist song. But until you feel the real pain of another person and what they go through, I don't think, like, I think it's important that those songs exist. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a way of showing solidarity, but you don't know until you know. Mm. And that's that's only facilitated through conversations and things like that. I've, I've been, you know, very fortunate and excited about some of the stuff that the library has been doing the last few years. You know, we, we've hosted Reggie Jackson several times to talk about racism in Milwaukee YWCA of Southeastern Wisconsin to, and they've coordinated or facilitated discussions between community members. And I've attended a few of those. And it was interesting seeing, you know, the, when people were talking about their experiences, because there were people, you know, white people in attendance and black people in attendance and other, other ethnic groups as well in attendance. And it was really interesting seeing the light go off in some people's faces because some people were talking about how they were white and they were afraid afraid to go to black neighborhoods because they they were afraid that they were going to be victims of crime. And then I remember very distinctly a woman, you know, probably in her 60s, a black woman, standing up and talking about how when she was a child and throughout most of her life, she was afraid to go into white neighborhoods because people would throw rocks at them. So they were also afraid of being victims of a crime. And I think hearing that made some people realize oh, like, they see us the way we see them, mm-hmm. and neither of us is this horrible being that is trying to make their lives miserable. And I think it's important for people to talk to each other in order to learn these things. It's also important for people to think critically, because like, when I think about my own awakenings, I think about how in high school I was very interested in history, and I remember being taught there was a right way to protest and and fight for civil rights and there was a wrong way you know it's like in high school the narrative that i was taught was that martin luther king did it the right way and peaceful protesting was the right way to go and that you know people like malcolm x and the black panthers were wrong and everything that they did was terrible and i i grew up with these ideas that that this is this was reality and then you know i went on to college to to major in history and started reading more texts and got more in depth into like reading Martin Luther King's letters from Birmingham jail and reading his biography. And then I also read Malcolm X's autobiography co-written with Alex Healy. And it opened up this whole new set of ideas because it's like, you know, we're, we're taught history and we're taught things from the point of view of the people in power. And so when you're taught these things, you know, one thing that I learned as a as a history student was that there's no such thing as a historian who is 100% accurate because we don't have all of the information before us. And as individuals, like I said earlier, we each carry our own lens, we each carry our own biases, we each carry our own hangups about people who are different than us. 
And so the narrative that we're taught isn't necessarily the truth or like the narrative that other people are taught. When I looked into the Black Panthers and I looked into Malcolm X, I was taught that these things were terrible and these people were terrible. And it's like the things that the Black Panther did for, for the Black community were amazing. And, you know, and Malcolm X had some very good ideas, but, but people, the people who wrote the history books focused on like how he supposedly wanted to kill all white people when that's, that wasn't yeah. what his intent was at all, you know, um, but that is what people think of him. And I think that that by not thinking critically and by not looking further into things, we do ourselves a disservice and we do society a disservice. Absolutely. I was also taught that there was a right way to be, not just to, to protest, you know, as or, or to fight for civil rights. I was taught that there was like a right way to be black and a wrong way to be black as well. I think about all the TV shows that I watched growing up. I watched a lot of TV as a kid and a lot of stuff that I watched was in syndication from like the seventies. So I remember watching, you know, like the Cosby's and like the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and like 227 and all these shows were about middle-class black Americans who were supposed to be the right way to be black. Um, the only show that I can, or there were a couple shows that I can remember that did not show that that side of black America. And those were good times, which was about a family who lived in the Carini Green projects in Chicago and the show Sanford and Son. And in Sanford and Son, it was about more about like the dad's bigotry towards white people and like the, the son's pacifist kind of life. And, and they were not necessarily supposed to be like people that you look up to, you know, they were, they were like very different in the, in the pop culture of, of the time. I think, you know, I think that, that the Cosby's and the Banks's and, and those families were like what not only black America was taught to aspire to, but what white America was taught, like this is the black people that we find are acceptable. And a large part of the black community does not live in a fancy house in New York City and isn't, you know, doctors. And yes, there are there are black folks who are well educated and there are, are black folks, you know, who do fit those descriptors. But the thing is, we're taught that, you know, the, the lives of like the Cosby's and the Banks's somehow have more value than the lives of the people who live in the projects. And that's, that's not true. You know, just because you have a college degree does not make you more important or greater than somebody who does not. Just because you have a professional white collar job does not make you better or greater than the people who ring up your groceries at the grocery store. I mean, there's these ideas that we're taught that really get into your subconscious and you develop these these prejudices and these ideas about what should be and what shouldn't be. And the thing is, is that your socioeconomic class and, and your education level and all that stuff should not make a difference whatsoever in whether you have a right to live a happy, dignified life. For sure. But yeah. You know, it, it, it is interesting thinking about the, the media that we consume because as, as you were talking, it, you know, made me think about uh, shows like All in the Family where Archie Bunker was this horrible bigot and how it, Sanford and Sons seemed like a counter to that. Mm -hmm. um, like, like it was trying to say, send the same type of messages, but for the opposite viewpoint. Mm -hmm. But yeah, the, the, the media that we can consume is really it affects it affects how we think about things and that's I'm gonna I'm, on the media idea I'm gonna go back to one of the songs that didn't take me 20 years to connect with was a uh, a song on fear of a black planet called burn Hollywood burn and 
it was a song about representation. And essentially, Chuck D and Ice-T did a guest appearance and somebody else did a guest appearance on that song. And, you know, they, they, they talked about how, you know, they weren't going to give Hollywood their money because Hollywood didn't make movies for black people. Mm-hmm. Um, and Hollywood didn't make movies made by black people. And that was a song that immediately I was able to be like, yeah, when I think about it, this is absolutely true. Mm-hmm. And until I saw things through their viewpoint, it was something that never would have occurred to me. Mm. Yeah, no, that's why, you know, I feel like it's important. It's very important to consume media that is not just made by people who look like you or think like you or, or you know, have your, your lens or a similar lens to you. Um, besides the books that I mentioned before, some of the books that have had a huge impact on me in the last few years, because, you know, it's like, I'm not perfect, you know, nobody is. Um, and I feel like I'm constantly learning and growing as a person. And I feel like, there's so much to unpack and so much to learn. And so some of the books that have had a big impact on me were Evicted by Matthew Desmond, which is about the eviction crisis in America and focuses heavily on Milwaukee and evictions here in Milwaukee that disproportionately affect African-Americans and and black folks. And reading that and, and reading about how people are supposed to figure out school and, and library fines and things like that while they have no home, no roof over their head, just shed a whole new light on things. Another one that that really spoke to me was The New Jim Crow by Michelle Alexander, which is about mass incarceration and its connection to the drug war. That one, I learned a lot about how the drug war came to be. And, and, you know, I I know that there's mandatory minimum sentencing and that that disproportionately affects, you know, the Black and Latinx communities because of the drug war and ends up affecting their whole lives because it ends up so that people can't vote and people can't get housing and people can't get jobs and and people can't live with family members sometimes because if you both have a felony and you try to live in public housing you can't both live in public housing if you both have a felony and you know all those things just contribute to the inequality another one that i've read a few years ago that was really important was black girl dangerous on race queerness class and gender with by mia mckenzie which uh talked about all of those issues from the point of view of a black woman and really shed some light on some things that I had never really thought about before. Um, So I think it is really important to read other perspectives and read from the, you know, books that are written by people in these groups, because that's the only way that you're going to see their perspective and learn about their perspective. I'm the young adult librarian, so I read a lot of young adult literature and several books have come out in the last few years that have had a huge impact on the the oldest one is probably Kikla Magoon's How It Went Down, which is about a young man who who is shot in his neighborhood and, and everybody, you know, kind of is sharing their descriptions of what happened and trying to piece together what exactly happened. And then there's also Jason Reynolds and Brendan Kiley's All American Boys. There's Nick Stone's Dear Martin. Uh, and of course, there's Angie Thomas's The Hate You Give, which I know you and I went to see in the theater. And I know you said had an impact on you. Yeah, I cried like a baby. <laughs> Yeah, I I thought that was a great movie because it, and a great story, because it showed how complicated everything is. Because like in in that story, if if you've never seen the movie or read the book, um, the main character, she, she goes to a prep school, but she lives 
in in her impoverished neighborhood and she's being pulled in every possible direction in terms of you know who she should be yeah it starts out with her her friend um she she's at a party with her friend in, in her neighborhood and he and her he's driving her home um after the cops break up the party and they get pulled over by the police on their way home and he uh, gets out of the car and goes to reach for a, a comb in his pocket and he is shot by the police yeah he's he's in in the movie he's like you know trying to show his confidence to the the girl in the car so he reaches reaches for his uh for his brush to like brush his hair and when he grabs the brush he gets shot and so the book is in, and the movie are, are about her and kind of her being stuck in the middle of it all and at first not wanting to be a part of it because she knew it would disrupt her life from you know the news media and everything and she's trying to go to school in this affluent white school and her friends don't understand and her friends are saying all these things about you know oh it's just another dead drug dealer and things like this and it was her friend and, and you know and she uh, is trying to navigate that and at the same time she's also na- trying to navigate the fact that her uncle is a police officer yep. and um, and he's trying to navigate the fact that you know he's a police officer and that one of the people on his force was the person who shot his niece's friend and he you know grew up in the same community and and so it it's a very layered story that breaks things down in a in a very accessible way yeah and it shows how complicated everything is Mm, for sure. Um, I also wanted to recommend two documentaries. I don't know if they're available through the library, uh, but one of them has been screened all over Milwaukee. Oh, yeah. The one that's been screened all over Milwaukee is uh, Milwaukee 53206. It actually got screened at the high school in Shorewood. And it's a very, very powerful film about how mass incarceration has disproportionately affected the community in, in that area code. If you don't have access to that and you have Netflix watch a movie called 13th, which covers the same thing. It's not from a Milwaukee perspective, but just about the 13th Amendment and how it has affected black folks. Yeah, there's, there's just so much. And, and I feel like, you know, this is just the tip of the iceberg in terms of resources that are out there. And I feel like it's not only important to read the heavy stuff, the stuff that deals with the racism. It's important just to read in general, like, voices that are different than your own, you know, um, it's important in order to, to change your lens and to see things from a different perspective and to, to promote empathy for, for people who are different than yourself to read people's different experiences. And there's several, several young adult authors that I can think of that, you know, are great young adult authors who don't necessarily get into the nitty gritty of police brutality or hardcore racism. Their stories about the the African-American and black experience. Among them are Walter D. Myers, Sharon Draper, Brandy Colbert, Justina Ireland, Ibi Zaboy. Um, those are just a few that I can think of off the top of my head. And I think, you know, it's important for all of us to to read the works of, of people who, who are different than us. Um, and I know that personally doing so has opened my eyes to so many things, you know, not not just in regards to this issue, but to so many other issues as well, whether they be, you know, queer issues or, you know, whether they be issues with other minority groups or people who are different than myself. And if we want to consider ourselves allies or co-conspirators or whatever you want to call yourself, if you want to be a person who is actively fighting against this stuff and trying to make things better. I think we all need to do the work. We all need to educate ourselves. We all need to step out of our comfort zone and talk about things 
that are uncomfortable to talk about. And I think, you know, a lot of people are afraid of being called a racist and a lot of people won't talk about things because that is like their greatest fear. And it's like, if that is your greatest fear, that is not like the worst thing that can happen, you know? Um, it's a word, it stings, but ultimately we all have prejudices and if it helps you face some of those prejudices, so be it, you know, somebody calls you that. I've had people call me that and I've been like, I'm a Latina, I can't be racist, but that's not true, you know, I can be prejudiced towards other people, you know, I can, just because I am of a minority group doesn't mean that I can't hold some of these same broken ideas in my head, you know? And it's important to acknowledge that and it's important to, like I said before, think critically and to, I feel like I sound like a broken record, but to just mm -hmm. keep looking into things that are outside of your experience and outside of your comfort zone. Yeah, and it's important to understand that we're all a work in progress. And if we're not willing to reflect and to accept critique and when somebody accuses you of saying something that is racist you can get defensive or you can use it as an opportunity to reflect and learn and grow and ask yourself am i holding some sort of bias um am i actually at fault am i as 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 assuming that i am infallible and we are all fallible. And yeah, it, it's important to understand that. For sure. So yeah, if you're listening to this, whether you're white or brown or black, you know, it's important to learn about each other. Um, and we hope you go out and do that and perhaps use some of the resources we mentioned, but your journey might be different than ours and that's perfectly fine too. But it's just, it's time to, it's been time to do something for quite a while now, so. For sure. As always, thank you for listening to The Shoreward Stacks. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you have any questions or comments, email us at shorewardstacks at gmail.com. You can find this podcast on Podbean, Spotify, or iTunes. And you can also find us on our social media channels and our website. Be sure to tune in next week for an interview with Shoreward High School student Pilot Lee, who'd recently put out their self-published comic book, Teenage Life, a zine in two parts, dating, queer drama, and schoolwork and teen trauma. Until next time, thanks for listening and be well. The Shorewood Stacks is produced by Lisa Quintero and Nick Barron for the Shorewood Public Library. Music on this episode is by Kevin McLeod. The song is called Ice Flow and can be found at incompetech.com.